Hello, my friends. This is Dan Jones with another quiet talk to share with you. Most people are fascinated with the future. By that, I mean people want to know the future in advance. I've often said whimsically that the hardest thing there is to predict is the future. I know I'll never be a famous comedian, but I can laugh at my own jokes, so that's really all I care about. Horoscopes are popular, and it's not uncommon to drive by seedy little buildings with signs out front that declare there is a fortune teller or a palm reader on duty inside. When it comes to Christians, we're no different. Fortunately, most Christians look to the Bible in their quest to understand future events. Obviously, the future event that is most important for all of us is the second coming of Jesus Christ. All Orthodox Christians believe that Jesus is coming back to this earth someday. The Apostles' Creed says of Jesus that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. That much is settled. What is not settled in the minds of most people is all the events that will take place right before and right after Jesus comes back. These questions fascinate people to a great degree. A few years ago, a series of books referred to as the Left Behind series sold many millions of copies. These books were based on a way of looking at the second coming that was introduced by an Irish minister in the 1830s named John Nelson Darby, one of the early leaders in the Plymouth Brethren movement. According to this view, Jesus will secretly take away all true Christians, leaving behind the unbelievers who will endure a horrible time called the Great Tribulation. At the end of this seven-year period, Jesus will come back again to judge the world and inaugurate the millennium, the 1,000-year period spoken of in Revelation 20. Actually, uh, I may be wrong. Maybe there are two judgments in that view, but anyway, that's basically it. So what are we to make of all the controversy surrounding the second coming of Jesus? In my humble but nevertheless correct opinion, these things have distracted Christians from what Jesus himself said to us. People have argued over whether the so-called rapture will come at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation, at the middle, or at the end. They've argued about the meaning of the strange symbols in the book of Revelation, the beast, the weird locusts that come out of the bottomless pit in chapter 9. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not belittling the book of Revelation, although I think some people's interpretations are kind of strange. It certainly has meaning, but That's not the subject of this short talk. So I believe it's good to recall the things Jesus said about his coming. One of his main themes is that he will return when people are not expecting him. So we should always be ready. Let's look for a minute at a passage from Luke chapter 12 about his coming. Jesus said, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants 
whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Get the point here? The point is the master, that's Jesus, is coming back at an undisclosed date and time. It could be in the middle of the night. We just don't know. So we must be ready always. But then that passage from Luke goes on. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. So, who is that faithful and wise manager? Well, that's us. Before Jesus went away, he gave us a job to do. He gave us certain responsibilities to carry out. We have a mission of spreading the gospel throughout the world. Before he left, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. When he comes, he expects to find us hard at this task. But sadly, many Christians are involved in other things. Some believe we're just here to enjoy life and make things good for ourselves. You don't have to beat people and get drunk like the man in the parable. You just have to live for yourself. Those who do this have taken their eyes off of Christ and the promise of his sudden and unexpected return in judgment. In the parable, there is not a good and a bad manager, but only one who can choose his course. He can either stay at his task that the master gave him or forget about it and begin to live it up. In the same manner, you have a choice. What kind of manager will Jesus find in you when he comes? Will you be fulfilling your duties, the duties that Jesus has given you, or you will, or will you be living only for yourself? That's the big question. And my friends, that's what we should focus on most when we think about the second coming of Christ. Are you ready? I don't read many poems in these quiet talks, but I have one today that I think is most appropriate. I first heard it many years ago, many years ago, quoted by a great preacher in preacher of the gospel in Dallas, Texas. The context of this poem is 
sort of agricultural, so I hope you can relate even if you were brought up in the city like me. It's about a humble farmhand who patiently does his work each day, the work that he has been assigned by his master to do. goes like this. There's a king and captain high, and he's coming by and by, and he'll find me hoeing cotton when he comes. You can hear his legions charging in the regions of the sky, and he'll find me hoeing cotton when he comes. There's a man they thrust aside who was tortured till he died, and he'll find me hoeing cotton when he comes. He was hated and rejected. He was scorned and crucified. And he'll find me hoeing cotton when he comes. When he comes, when he comes, he'll be crowned by saints and angels when he comes. They'll be shouting out Hosanna to the man that men denied. And I'll kneel among my cotton when he comes. Lord Jesus, your coming is soon. It could be today. It may be years to come. But Lord Jesus, I want to be ready. I want my listeners to be ready. Help us to be about our Father's business. Help us to occupy until Jesus comes and to be busy with that work you gave us of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Help us to work while it is day because the night is coming when no one can work. And I pray this in the name of our coming King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear friends, some of us are seeking to spread the gospel of Jesus in the uh, capital district of New York. Right now we're meeting in the Schenectady area. Our group is called the Bread of Life Anglican Church. We meet at 10 o'clock on Sundays at the American Legion Hall, which is 1809 Union Street in Schenectady. And I would love for you to pray for us. We want to reach people for Jesus. We want to do the work that he left us to do, to bring the gospel to those that need it so desperately. So would you remember us in prayer? And as always, you can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. May God richly bless you.